Open your Bibles this morning to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. John chapter 17. As we continue going through this prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ, we'll pick up in verse 14 and read verses 14, 15, and 16 this morning. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Leave off reading there in verse 16. The last time we were together, I mentioned that there are three things that must be found in a biblically functioning church. The first is there must be a biblically based doctrinal foundation, particularly regarding the gospel. We may differ on a few things here and there, but we cannot differ on the gospel. We cannot. The second is there must be unity joined together with liberty of conscience. Allowing a man the liberty of conscience to function before his own God, but unified in our efforts to see the spread of the gospel. The third is there must be biblical joy, both in the worship and in our service for our God. We see this develop throughout our Lord's ministry, and we see our Lord praying for these things in John chapter 17. But his prayer is not only for those who lived in the first century, but for all true churches that had existed throughout history. He prays for unity. Look at verse 11. In the middle of verse 11, Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those Thou hast given Me, that they may be one as we are. He prays for their joy. John 17, verse 13. These things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He ensures a biblical doctrinal foundation by giving them the Word of God. John 17, verse 14, I have given them Thy Word. There can be no Biblical doctrinal foundation without the Word of God, brethren. All man-made traditions, all man-made religious ideas only serve to lay a foundation upon what men think. They do not serve to establish a biblical foundation in the Lord's churches. The second thing that we see here is our Lord has been asking His Father to preserve His disciples. He asked His Father to protect them, to watch over them. In verse 11, He says, Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those Thou hast given Me. Keep them. Preserve them. Protect them. Watch over them. Our need of divine preservation is linked to our Lord returning to heaven but it is also because the world in which we serve our God 
is a world in which we will have tribulation. He has already told us that. We need God to watch over us, to protect us. We need God's watchful care over us because we live in a world that hates our God and hates His people. And there are two reasons for that, as I'll bring out a little bit later. First, the world hates true Christians because God has favored them and not the world. God has been gracious to them in saving them and not the world. The second reason the world hates true Christians because they insist that truth is found in the Word of God. Not in the science and the philosophers and the mathematicians and the politicians of the world. But truth is found in the Word of God. And that sets us against the philosophy of the world. And so we read John 17, verse 14. I have given them Thy Word. The first century disciples, the first church organized on the face of the earth in Jerusalem was organized by the Lord Jesus Christ. And He gave that church His Word. And this is true of all true churches in every generation. He had given them His Word. It is true of true Christianity. A person may be mixed up in a church that has some error in it. But if they are a true Christian, they come to one thing. I want to know what God has to say. I want to know what the Scripture says. I'm glad I've got a pastor watching over me. I got I got this. I'm glad I'm getting to Bible college. I'm glad that. I'm glad this. But I want to know what God says. That's where my soul rests. My salvation depends upon what God has said. My Christian life depends upon what God has said. First thing that we must understand about John 17 and verse 14 is this. Those who became followers of the Lord Jesus Christ did not start their life with the Word of God. The first disciples of Christ were Jews. They started their life circumcised on the eighth day and brought to the synagogue every Sabbath. They had the Passover. They had the Feast of Tabernacles. They had these things. They had the rabbis teaching Jewish religion. They grew up in that atmosphere. Jesus Christ comes along and preaches the Gospel to them and they leave that and come and follow Him. They, had, they came into possession to something that they had not had up to this point. They came into possession of the Word of God. All those years that Luke and Peter and Matthew spent in the synagogues under the rabbis following the religion of the Jews and they did not have the Word of God. All they had was the tradition of men. I have given them Thy Word. But it is not only true of first century Christianity. It is true of all true Christianity from the first century until this. We are born without understanding God's Word. There is none that understandeth. 
We live without any true interest in God's Word. We do not search out and find out how to live our life when we were a teenager or 10 years old or 17 or 18. Let's see what God has to say about my life. We did not do that. We lived with our back turned to God, our way, our thing, until God came and saved us from our sins and put into our heart and our hands the Word of God and changed. Born without it, without understanding it, lived without regard. In fact, determined to live our life without regard to what God had to say about it. Even when we were religious and involved in religious activity, we did not search the Scriptures to see whether those things are true or not. We just let them preach to us and live the way they told us to live. But all that changed when God began to work in our hearts and in our soul to save us and to put into our heart and then into our hands the very Word of God. True Christians must receive the Word of God in order to come to know the living God. The true God can only be known as He is revealed in the Word of God. This is the problem that many who say they're Christians have. I have preached in churches where a certain aspect of things were not right, but I go there and preach anyway. And I've addressed certain aspects of things, and a handful will say, yes, amen, because God's Word says it. But the majority say, no, we cannot change. My grandmother has been uh, in this church. She's buried out back a little ways. And, and she, uh, she gave us that. Uh, she gave money for that. And, and I, I'm not going to change that. I, I, I can't change that. I've seen it. Uh, maybe you have to. Settled on man-made religion when God's Word says something contrary. But we can only know the true and living God by the Word of God. God is revealed in the Word of God. True salvation is revealed in the Word of God. We cannot know true salvation outside of the Word of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God, Godhead, revealing that to us. We've already looked at John 17, verse 3, where Jesus Christ is praying. And He says, And this is life eternal, that they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. This is eternal life, to know God. And to know God, we have to know God's Word. And we have to find who God is and find God's salvation on the pages of the Word of God. This is why it is so dangerous in the day in which we live to have men changing the Word of God into whatever they want it to be. It is very dangerous. Because we cannot know God outside of the Scriptures. We cannot know salvation outside of the Scriptures. True salvation... True Christianity can only be found on the pages of the Word of God. Man-made religion can 
speak of a God, little g-o-d, and a way or several ways to get to that God, little little g-o-d, but they cannot reveal the true and living God. That cannot be done outside of the Scriptures. God has given us His Word and God has preserved His Word for us. In John chapter 6, we have an account of our Lord speaking to those followers. In John chapter 6, verse 66, His disciples went back and and no longer followed Him. Jesus then turns in John chapter 6 and verse 67 and addresses His disciples, speaks to the twelve. And He says to them, Will you also go away? And Peter, responding perhaps for all of them, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? In verse 68, Thou hast the words of life. You turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. You turn away from the words of life. You turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ and you turn away from eternal life. You turn away from the Scriptures and you turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. You you turn away from them both. He said to the same Jews, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they that speak of Me. They speak of Me. So that a man who turns his back on Jesus Christ turns his back on the Scriptures, and a man who turns his back on the Scriptures turns his back on the Lord Jesus Christ. And left with no hope of eternal life, Because the Scriptures and Jesus Christ teach us that eternal life is in a person. Jesus Christ Himself. God uses His Word in the new birth. We were born again and brought into the Kingdom of God. How did God do that? He did it by His Spirit. We were born by the Spirit. But what else? God used His Word. And there are a number of, of preachers that I know who, who say that God doesn't use His Word in the new birth. And that God only uses His Word to reveal the new birth. That's doctrinal error. James chapter 1 and verse 18 tells us, James 1 and 18, of His own will begat He us. That's true. But the statement doesn't end there. With the Word of Truth. With the Word of Truth. Of His own will, God, by a sovereign act of His will, births us into His kingdom. With the Word of Truth. James 1.18 Without the Word of Truth, you're not birthed into the kingdom of God. You cannot be birthed into the kingdom of God without the Word of Truth. Listen to Peter on the same subject. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 and verse 25. Listen to Peter. Being born again. He's dealing with a new birth. How we come out of death into life. How we come out of darkness into light. How we come out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. He's dealing with that. That's the new birth. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed. If we stop there, we say, what, what does he mean, corruptible seed? But he goes on. But of incorruptible. And then he explains himself. By the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
And then, to explain himself further, in verse 25, Peter goes on, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This is the word that the gospel is preached unto you. And when the gospel is preached from this word, God sovereignly births you into His kingdom. Brings you out of darkness into light. Brings you out of death into life. By revealing and bringing life to your heart and soul by giving you the gift of His Son. God did that under the preaching of the Word of God. God, who commanded sinners to repent and believe the Gospel, brings them to life under the preaching of the Word of God. We cannot be born again without it. We cannot know God without it. And so that statement, I have given them Thy Word, is very critical. Very critical. In addition, in the context of John 17, we find out from the rest of the Scripture that true unity, that biblical faith, that joy among the Lord's people and in the Lord's churches can only come from knowing the Word of God. From knowing the Word of God. I want to read a Scripture to you. Acts chapter 9, if you want to turn over there quickly. I want to look at Acts 9 and verse 31. Acts 9, 31. After the persecution under Saul finished, God saved him. The Scripture says, Then had the churches rest among all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, that is, built up, in the most holy faith, and we're edified, walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort, there's the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. In the edification of the Word of God, in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, the churches began to be multiplied and to grow. After persecution left, God used His Word to heal, to comfort, and to instruct His churches to help them understand what He was doing in their life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. The Scripture says, My son, God speaking to children, His children, My son, forget not My law, let, but let thine heart keep My commandments. Don't forget the Word of God, My son. Well, okay, let's not forget it. Verse 3, verse 2, 4, because... Don't forget what I've said. Because, what? Length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Peace. Peace and joy and growing and grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of it comes from the Word of God. Listen to Psalm 119 verse 11. Psalm 119 verse 111. I said verse 11. Psalm 119, 111. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage. <laughs> this is my gold and silver. This is my land and houses. Thy testimonies have I taken as my heritage. This is my inheritance from God. And then he says, for they are the rejoicing of 
of my heart. Thy testimonies are the rejoicing of my heart. Thy word brings peace. Thy word brings comfort. Thy word brings instruction. Thy word edifies, builds up. Thy word. We cannot have a church that functions in unity and in peace and in joy by laying aside the word of God. And letting men do and say whatever they want to do and say. We must, if we're going to have a local church that honors God, be settled on what God has said in His Word. A true gospel ministry. A true gospel ministry can only flow out of one of the Lord's churches because of an understanding of God's Word. And a willingness to do and say what, it's, what it does and what it, it teaches us to do and say. Yes. True gospel ministry. There's a lot of, of, of stuff in America and all over the world called gospel ministry. I was in a Bible study in Brownwood once and, and, and this guy was, was going over to one of the South American countries. I've forgotten now where he was going. And, 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 uh, and the leader of the Bible said... I, I knew where he graduated. And I, I thought, okay, I want to sit quiet. And the uh, leader of the Bible said, what are you going to do over there? Well, I'm going to preach the gospel. Now the next question should have been, what is the gospel you're going to preach? But everybody at the table, except me, said, amen. You know that Catholics say they preach the gospel. Jehovah's Witnesses say they, they preach the gospel. You know that, right? Church of Christ, they, they preach the gospel. Pentecostals, uh, you know, Seventh-day Adventists, they all preach the gospel. But what gospel do they preach? That's the great issue. Baptists say, I, they preach the gospel, but what gospel do they preach? That's the issue. And there are churches and there are uh, colleges and, 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 and Bible institutes all over this country and all over other countries that are turning out and churning out men and women so-called preaching the gospel. I faced it in India. There are, there are huge, huge organizations in India that receives hundreds of thousands of dollars from the U.S. and they don't preach the gospel. But in America, they're told they preach the gospel. I know because I've run across them. I've talked to them. I've listened to them. They don't even know the gospel. They may not even be true Christians. But they have a ministry that they're getting paid for. A true gospel ministry that spreads the gospel into the world coming out of a local church cannot exist unless its foundation is based upon the Word of God. And there are multitudes out there that are not based on the Word of God. Not based on the Word of God. When our Lord Jesus Christ said, I have given them Thy Word. He was saying that He had given them that which came directly out of the mouth of God. Inspired of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said, he is saying, I have given them that which came out of your mouth. Not only that, but I have given them that which you have preserved 
For every you have said in your word that every generation will have your word. And I have given them that which you said was inspired, preserved, infallible, and inerrant. That's what I've given to them. That's what they have. And that's what they're taking into the world. But in addition, when our Lord said, I have given them thy word, He was saying that He had given them that which stands in direct opposition. In direct opposition to the world. To the thinking of the world. And to the lifestyle of the world. I have given them that which stands in opposition to the world. And that's why the world is going to help hate them. Yeah. And so, when the world is faced with the words that come out of our mouth, based upon the word that God has given us, their reaction, I hate that. hate that. Now brethren, we might escape the hatred of the world and live more peaceable lives if we would only practice our faith in secret. If we would keep our religion to ourselves. If we would keep God's Word hidden in our hearts and off of our lips. Then brethren, life would be easier. At least Down here, I'm not sure what will be going on in your heart when God is dealing with you. But true Christians and the Lord's churches cannot do that. Something inside of a Christian and something inside of that church that belongs to God says, I am identified with Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my God. And I am identified with His Word. This is what God has to say about that. He has not only bestowed upon me His love, He has not only bestowed upon me His peace, He has not only given me a measure of His joy, but He, God, has entrusted to me His Word and His work. As a church, He has not only blessed us, with joy and peace and a measure of unity, but God has entrusted to us His Word and His work. As soon as we engage in that work, carrying out His will using His words, we engage the same world that put Jesus Christ on the cross. And so, the second statement of John 17, verse 14, I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them. And directly linked to us having been given the word of God inseparably joined to the fact that God has entrusted His word to us is this statement. The world has hated them for that. I gave them something the world doesn't have. And the world has hated them for that. 
God favors some with salvation while leaving others in their sin. They are responsible to repent. They are responsible to believe the gospel. They have a responsibility before God to repent and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not do that. And sometimes God steps away and lets them live their life. And then God comes to this sinner and is gracious to them and saves them. And the world sees their life and it changes and how they are blessed of God and how God favors them. And oh, they can't handle that. Listen to John chapter 15 and verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love His own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. I have chosen you out of it. And because of that, what happens? Therefore, the world hateth you. Divine election marks us out as separated unto God. God has favored us. We're His children. We have a part in His inheritance. We are secure by Him and saved and kept saved and preserved by Him and cared for and watched over by Him. And the world sees it. Even as Cain saw what God did for Abel. And Cain hated Abel for that. And Cain killed Abel for that. There is also a connection between being chosen by God to salvation and Him giving us His Word and the world hating us. Look in John chapter 15, verse 19, and this time we'll add verse 20. I have chosen you. We'll start in the middle of 15, uh, 19, I'm sorry. I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And notice the next words. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours. Why will they keep ours? Because our sayings are His sayings. Because we say this. We say what's in this. And if they kept His sayings, they will keep our sayings because our sayings are what He is saying. You get that? But they didn't keep His sayings. And so when we come along and we say God says thus and thus, they're not going to keep ours either. And they hate us for it. Our connection to the Lord Jesus Christ and our commitment to His Word places us in direct opposition to the world in which we live. Many Christians do not know or understand that and do not know and understand why sometimes they suffer. The world has hated you. Why? Listen to what the rest of the verse says. The third statement. Because, have hated them. Because what? They are not of the world. Again, our connection and union with the living God and our connection and commitment to His revealed will, the Word of God, means that we are not of this world. Our Lord made that distinction concerning Himself while He carried on His earthly ministry. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, our Lord He said unto them, 
You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. He made that distinction. He was different. Now, He is not saying to us that we have an eternal life that we had in heaven and we came to this world and not of the world. That's not what He is saying. But there are several truths associated with what He is saying here that we need to understand. And the first is this. True Christians and true Christian churches are in the world. That is true. We'll see that in the later as the Scriptures unfold before us. The world is our theater of operation. There is no other place for us to live and serve God. The world. When God saved us, He took us out of the world and He gave us His Son, but He left us in the world. We're no longer of it, but we are in it. Those who want to try to figure out how to live out of the world with their Christianity need to grasp that God has not called them to that. We don't go hide in monasteries, brethren. We don't do that. And that was common and is common even today among Catholics. They go and hide off somewhere so they can be more holy. That's not Christianity. Christianity is God reaching down in the middle of this mess called we call the world and plucking a sinner up, setting him on a rock, cleaning him and putting in his heart a new heart and then putting in his hand the Word of God and saying, go tell your friends what I've done for you. But you don't understand. All my friends are drunks and druggies and worldly and... And, and this and that and the other and divorced and, and separated. And, and yeah, that's who I want you to go to. Uh, and he told that to the demoniac of Gadara. You remember that? I want to go with you. No, you can't. You go back and you tell your friends what I've done for you. But, but you don't understand the kind of friends I have. Yeah, I do too. You're no longer of the world, but you're still in it. You go tell them. Go tell them. God saved us. He took us out of the world, but He left us in the world. Those two truths are existing side by side. He delivered us from this present evil world. Galatians 1.4 Who gave Himself for us that He might deliver us from this present evil world. He has delivered us is delivering us and shall deliver us out of this present evil world. But the world we live in, where we carry on our ministry, is the present evil world. That's where it is. And God saved us. He delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness. And He placed us into the kingdom of, of light. And the kingdom of God is on the earth. Right now. And He's put us here. And as a church, we're to carry on kingdom business, preaching the gospel to all the nations while we live and walk in the light as He is in the light. While the world lives in darkness, we live in light. And there's this contrast going on. We live our life here. We serve our God here. We worship here. 
We seek to win those who live in the world so they might also embrace the true God as we have. When we die, we're going to leave this world and go to our Father in heaven. Until then, we live in the world, though we are not of it. As Christians, we are in the world, and we have been sent into the world. This is what he said. Our standard for life and living does not come from this world. We are in it, we have been sent into it, but our standard for life and living does not come from it. We're not of it. Our standard for life and living comes from the Word of God. Doesn't the Bible say whether you drink or eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God? Doesn't the Bible say that when you work and you go to work, put money on the table for your, your family? Does it say not giving eye service to men, but as unto the Lord to whom you serve? Doesn't the Bible teach us those things? Always we are looking with an eye to our God. Always. So our standard of life and living doesn't come from the world. It comes from God and His Word. We do not get our message from the world. We do not add anything from the world to our message. Our message is from God through His Word. We do not seek any approval from the world. We seek only the approval that comes from God. Well, good, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we're looking for. Whether the world approves or not, our credentials do not come from this world. But our credentials come from God. God saves and God calls and God empowers and God teaches and God uses. And we're credentialized by God. I was moving out of one area under persecution into another area in, the, in India, into another state. We moved into this village and the Baptist preacher in this village came and said, who gave you the authority to be here? You can't come into my village without my authority. I said, I left Roman Catholicism a long time ago. Now I don't give heed to what Baptist popes say. We're here because God sent us here. My credentials are from God. Why do you come to India? Why are you here? Government officials would say to me when they found out I was a Christian. Who gave you the right to be here? Baptist leaders said to me when I showed up in 1990. God did, was my answer. And one of His churches sent me here. I'm here because God sent me through His church to preach the Gospel to you. Our credentials come from God. Our approval comes from God. We do not seek that from the world. We live our life here. We are not of the world, but we have been sent into the world. Verse 18 says that. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. As Christians, we are in the world. We have been sent into the world, but we are not of the world. The failure of many who profess to be Christians and who are seeking to win sinners for Christ.
as they attempt to do so and get as close as possible to the world to do so. Bring the world in. What world? Music. Bring it in. Stir up the flesh. Get them down here. Get them excited. Get them thrilled to be part of this church. I know you can find that in the New Testament, right? You do know I'm speaking sarcastically, right? I'm figuring out sometimes when people say things that they put these parentheses, sark. I didn't know what that meant for a long time. And I realized, oh, they're being sarcastic. Oh, I, it takes me a while, brother. But once I get it, I got it. I mean, that's going to work, right? Even after Jesus Christ said to the Jews, you go across land and sea and make them twofold the child of hell as you are. They still think they can do that and make them Christians. Why should anyone in the world seek to know anything of true Christianity if we portray Christianity in terms of the world? They already got that. The world will fail to see the difference. And they will fail to see the gain and the glory of true Christianity if we preach like the world in order to gain the world. And when the world stands on the outside and they see us favored of God, and they see us with a peace and joy in the midst of things, and they see us face the trials of life with the reality that God is for us and not against us, and they see us walk with God in the midst of this polluted world in which we live, and they see us they're going to say, what is it about him? What is it about her? I've seen that. I've seen it in Mexico. I've seen it in India. Without preaching, just walking down the street, respecting my wife and loving my wife and caring for my wife, just walking down a pathway and people watching. And I say, your husband really loves you. Yeah. It wasn't always that way, but when God saved us, He changed that. Wow. Is that what Christianity does? Yes. Wow. They are, verse 14, quickly, and I'm going to end with this last statement. I have given them Thy Word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. The Son of God is eternal God. We are not that. So He is different. But He is not of this world either. He was sent into the world, but He was never of the world. And that's why I've encouraged you over the years to study Christ. Study the Lord. See what He did. See how He acted. See what He did on the earth. Follow His ministry. He served His Father in the world, but never partook of the world. He preached the Word of God as a message that contradicted the world's religion and the world's lifestyle, but He preached it. He went about doing good. 
And he went about seeking sinners to save them. And the world hated him for that. And they killed him for that. As religion was losing its proselytes, they said if we allow him to live, our religion will no longer be here. They're going to follow him. You see how the world is following him. And then he said to us, the servant is not above his master. And so, brethren, let us set our hearts upon serving our God. And let us set our hearts upon serving our God through His Word. Let us leave the results into the hands of God. But let us be faithful to the God we love and serve. Let's pray together.